David Mooney to make it 1-0 to Orion. And it goes. Oh, and there's a flare on the pitch. There's a flare on the pitch. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Brand new issue of Thorn in the Side out tonight. 250 your Brentford fanzine. Welcome to episode 96 of We Are Going Up, and it's a little bit different this week, David Cameron Walker. Do you want to explain where we're off to? Uh, we are about to enter Griffin Park, home of Brentford, for the visit of Leighton Orient, table topping 100% unbeaten record Leighton Orient tonight. Is this your first visit to Griffin Park? Uh, no, actually, I've been once before. I came um, a good few years ago for a pre season friendly, Watford against Brentford, uh, a while back now. God, who was that manager? I think it was. I think it was um, when A.D. Buford was, was still in charge, yeah. So I have been before, but certainly won't compare uh, to tonight's atmosphere. And Carl, last time you came here, it was a, a win for your boy Swindon. Yeah, absolutely. Didn't make it to the playoff defeats, unfortunately, last season, thankfully. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Brentford do perform tonight, I must admit. I mean, we talk a little about Leighton Orient and their excellent start of the season, but there are another team playing tonight, of course, and Brentford do need something from this. Their confidence will be a little bit bristle after the heartache of the playoff defeat last year. So they do need something. If they lose tonight, then there'll be a big a gap between them and the top teams which they can ill afford to have later on in the show we're going to be going in one of the um, the famous four pubs of course a pub on each corner of the ground so we're going to be going in there looking back at the weekend's action and of course you'll get to hear our reaction to the uh, game as it takes place but first is a little sample of what's coming up we spoke to some Orient fans before tonight's game I still think that somebody's going to wake me up and we're about to play Carlo on the first day of the season um, it all doesn't feel real to be honest to be fair you know we're just amazed you know, can't say much more. Really. It's been an amazing start, and, it, and it's it's great to uh, open the newspaper after the weekend's football and uh, see that we're top of the league. It's brilliant. And as well as speaking to those obviously very happy Orient fans after this superb start they've had, seven wins from seven. We also spoke to some Brentford fans to get their reaction to their start line, tenth as they do. Here's a little sample of what you can hear later. I think if we win tonight, then it's a fairly decent start. But on the flip side of that, if we lose tonight, I think everyone will be saying it's been a fairly poor start to the season considering the amount of money that we spend. Yeah, the, the team have had a few changes, positive changes. They're starting to gel very well and I think you'll see tonight an exciting attacking Brentford lineup. Well, we only lost one game but we've uh, the, the, the team has changed around all the time and I did read something about Orient a couple of weeks ago one of their match reports they had seven players who started all five games at that point or something. They've got a settled team and a good team and I, I think yeah, I'm a bit apprehensive about the season to be honest. Yeah. So all that to come. Are you looking forward to the game? Very much so, yeah. I mean, Orient have been superb this season. Brentford had a brilliant season in League One last season. Uh, you know, one of the fancy teams again this season. Certainly one of the best squads in, in the division. Uh, I'd say it's arguably the biggest test that Leighton Orient have had to face so far this season. So let's see how they, they deal with it. Call it. What are you going for? Should it be goals? I think Leighton Orient will get something from the game. It's going to be tight. It won't be, it won't be like a 4-3 thriller. But I think Leighton Orient can get something. I, uh, I agree with Carl. I think it will be tight. I, I do fancy Brentford to end the 100% record. I, I don't necessarily think they'll, they'll beat them. So I, I, I would go for a draw if I was a betting man okay let's go inside okay so we've moved inside Griffin Park now the game's just got underway but just going to quickly spend a couple of minutes talking about 
what a fantastic start to the season Orient have had. Uh, seven wins from seven. The only team in the whole country of a 100% record. And uh, as has been, uh, I think we mentioned a couple of times on this show already this season, they're notoriously slow starters, Dave. So this has been a stunning first sort of month and a bit for Russell Slade. Absolutely superb, yeah. I mean, last time out, they went out 5-1 winners in there against Niles County in the, in the last game. They can't stop scoring. David Mooney, Kevin Lisby, uh, you know, having so far the seasons of their lives, absolutely on fire. The pair and Dean Cox is looking as, as good as he did last season, if not even better. I mean, every, every area of the team seems to be working for them at the moment. And I, I guess, you, you know, you must just be so confident going onto a pitch knowing that you've won your first seven games in a row, no, no matter what team they come up against. I mean, they even put in a very good performance in the League Cup against Hull. You know, they're, they're, every time I mean, they've scored five in two, on two separate occasions already this season. And, and you know, that's why they'll go to a game like tonight against Brentford away from home. They're one of the, the division's fancy teams before the start of the season. Came so close to promotion last season. And they won't be intimidated they won't be scared they'll be confident they can get a result I'm sure and Carl just a quick check of the table shows that they've already scored 21 goals in their first 8 games so I don't know what the maths is on that or 7 games sorry so I don't know what the maths is on that but that's going to be a lot of goals come the end of the season if they carry on like this <laughs> yeah that will require Rachel Riley's of this world to work it out absolutely and you look at them defensively as well only conceding 5 goals which is the best in the league as well so they should come into tonight's game really full of confidence a lot of people saying oh we'd be happy with a draw but I don't think they should be I think they could be quite happy going away with three points from tonight's game looking how well they are doing and Brentford being mid-table okay they're not doing terribly but Leighton are doing so well they should expect to get three points um, I caught up with a couple of Orient fans uh, before the game outside and I started by asking them how confident they were that they could make eight wins from eight tonight at Griffin Park I'm fairly confident obviously Brentford are a very good team they had a great season last year very close to uh, getting promoted to the championship so taking that into account I think if we can we can come here maybe sneak a 1-0 win 2-1 take the three points and get back to Leighton I'll take that all day long has it surprised you how well you started it, it has surprised me because you're notoriously slow starters aren't you definitely yeah you, usually we either, either have a great start and a bad end or a bad, a bad start and a great end but, no, we have, it's been an amazing start and, it, and it's, it's great to uh, open the newspaper after the weekend's football and uh, see that we're top of the league it's brilliant to be honest we'll be happy with a point I'll be delighted to be going home with a point in terms of the, uh, starting the season how much above expectation is this to win your first seven games I still think that somebody's going to wake me up and we're about to play Carlisle on the first day of the season um, it all doesn't feel real to be honest and tell me about Mooney and Lisby just how good have they been so far I'm tempted to have a tattoo of each of them <laughs> uh, on intimate places of my body uh, I think that says it all really they're incredible Lisby is playing like a 21 year old even though he's you know 15 years older than that um, and Mooney well he's just a an Orient legend now. Usually with it, with most clubs you'll have your one focal striker who is obviously putting the goals away but to have two is, is absolutely unbelievable but you know it's it's not about two players the, the whole club, the whole team have been absolutely immense every single position has been flawless. So. Are there a couple of maybe unsung heroes that people don't really know about who've been doing well? Uh, Roman Vincelot has probably got to be our, our key performer this season he's been absolutely, he's, he's bossed everything from his position, he chases down literally every single ball it's been absolutely fantastic it's such, such a great acquisition for the club given the start you've had what do you think is an acceptable goal this season oh well we've nearly been playoffs every single season so playoffs has got to be definite this year and how impressed have you been by the way you started and Russell Slakes I know a couple of years ago he was under a little bit of pressure 
uh, but this has been some run since uh, since the start of the season. Well, given his record, you know, he doesn't really start off seasons really well. To be fair, you know, we're just amazed. You know, can't say much more, really. Well, I'm not quite sure about getting a tattoo of uh, Kevin Lisby and uh, David Mooney on my ass, but um, it has been a great start to the season for Orient. Not quite as good DC for Brentford, though. Uh, sitting 10th after uh, their first seven games. Would you, you know, is, is that about par, do you think, the, the way they've started, or would you have expected them to be a little bit higher? Well, I think I, I would have expected them to be to be a little bit higher, to be honest, given how close they came to promotion last season. I, I don't know whether there's, maybe there's been a bit of a psychological hangover in terms of getting themselves up for the new season, you know, when most of these players probably thought they'd be playing in the championship this season after what happened last year. But, you know, they've got one of the best squads in the league. You know, they've retained, with, with the exception of Harry Forrester, um, who went off to join their, their conquerors, Doncaster. They've basically got the same squad as last season. They've added to it as well in, in a few key areas. Um, so they brought Trotter back as well. Absolutely. I mean, uh, and you've got the likes of Mark Martin Taylor's playing tonight, who's very experienced. Yeah, League One, still a very good player. So I think they could be expected to, to certainly be higher. Will Grigg, they brought in from Walsall as well. He had a fantastic season for Walsall last season. So I think they would have expected to be slightly higher at the table at this stage. But it's early days. The table's still quite congested. A couple, of, you know, get three points here tonight, win a couple of games on the spin, and you'll soon be right up there. So no reason for them to panic at all yet. Well, before the game, we spoke to some Brentford fans and got their take on their start to the season. Started great. Tenth? Surely you'd, you'd think you'd be a bit higher. Oh, yeah, it started great. It just, we fell off the cliff then. And now we're opening it starts again tonight. Brand new issue of Thorn in the side out tonight. 250 of Brentford fanzine. Richard Hester, co-editor of Brentford fanzine, Thorn in the side. I think if we win tonight, then it's a fairly decent start. But on the flip side of that, if we lose tonight, I think everyone would be saying it's been a fairly poor start to the season, considering the amount of money that we've spent. And does it concern you that in the last two games, I think you've conceded uh, seven goals in two games? Yeah, it always <laughs> concerns me. Yeah, considering the amount of defenders that we've got on the books, uh, I don't think we quite know who our best uh, back four are at the moment. I think we'll get better, yeah, I think we will. Um, it's a little, but we only lost one game, but we've uh, the, the, the team gets changed around all the time, and I did read something about Orin a couple of weeks ago, one of their match reports, they had seven players who started all five games at that point or something, they've got a settled team and a good team, and I, I think, yeah, I'm a bit apprehensive about the season, to be honest, yeah. I'm Nick Bruzon, Brentford supporter, and author of The Last Words. Well, obviously, I'd have loved to have won seven games in a row, but at the end of the day, it's only seven games, it's not the season. And, you know, the, the team have had a few changes, positive changes, they're starting to gel very well, and I think you'll see tonight an exciting attacking Brentford lineup. And who are the uh, the players that have impressed you most so far this season? Anyone that's coming in the summer been particularly good? or Not so much the new arrivals, who, who have been good, but Adam Forshaw in the midfield, who was great last season, has just really, really stepped up his game fantastically. Shay Logan as well at right back. They're the two men for me so far this season. It's great to see Brentford playing with attacking full backs again. It's almost a shame Jake Bidwell on the left side got injured because all of a sudden you had Shea and Jake pushing up the flanks. Not so much anymore, but certainly Shea is a man at the moment. Given how close you came last season, Nick, to going up this season, has Zoe Rosler had to instill a bit more belief in the players? Or has they got from the start of the season, they managed to believe that they can do it this season? Or is it the, the dreaded hangover that they're starting to suffer, given that they are so far off late in Orient already? I was worried about that as well, but 
I'll answer that question, but you look at the Sheffield United game. They were they were neck and neck with Brentford last season. They, they really were our arch rivals. And we absolutely trounced them 3-1. And 3 was generous to them, quite frankly. It could have been 5 or 6. So, no, they, 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 they've carried on where they left off. Had a hiccup at Bradford. Albeit, thanks to a very dubious red card for the goalkeeper. So, you're always on the back foot then when you're down to 10 men and no recognised keeper. But I, I'm happy with how it's gone. And I think it will get better. I think we can pick up ground. I think we'll do better as time goes on. I think maybe there's a little bit of a hangover from last season, even though we've got a couple of new players in. I think there may be a bit of a hangover. Um, and as the, well, Let's face it, it's playoffs, isn't it? We all know that. It's playoffs. Are you confident that you can be up there again at the end of the season, though? Do you think Ross is the man to... He came so close last year, didn't he? It was, it was ludicrous, really. Yeah, I feel sorry for Uber, actually, because, I mean, he should be a promotion with the manager, really. I mean, I know you can say, well, if he'd been maybe a bit adventurous, a, bit, a few more away games, we might not have needed that last game. But, I, yeah, I do I do feel a bit sorry for him, really. I think, you know, he's... Um, but, yeah, I think we can... As I say, I think, I think we'll make the playoffs. I think we're a bit off, certainly at the moment, a bit off top two places, I think. Are you still confident, though, that you uh, can finish sort of the roundabout where you finished last year? Yeah, I want to finish one higher than last <laughs> year. But, yeah, we, we, we should be top two. We're, we're by far the best team on our day in the division. So I think that's what everyone's a little bit frustrated about. So the thoughts of the Brentford fans there on a, a tricky start to the season for Uwe Rosler. And you can hear the Orient fans singing at the moment. In just a minute, you're going to be able to hear highlights of this game in League One described by us three. Uh, but first, a live version of my club celebrating 125 years of the Football League. 125 seconds on Brentford. This is We Are Going Up. My club in 125 seconds. Hi, my name is Steve Lewis. My club is Brentford. OK, Steve, can you remember your first ever game at Griffin Park? 1969, home v Knox County, goalless draw. Wow. And um, your best moment as a Brentford fan? Best moment was winning promotion at Peterborough um, in 1980. He's looking to his mate for support. 83. Okay. We went to the championship. And um, I'm not even sure I need to ask this after the end of last season, but your yep. worst moment as a Brentford worst fan? Worst moment, Marcelo Trotter missing the penalty. Without any question, supporting Brentford for over 30 years. And um, in all your time as a Brentford fan, who's the best player you've seen wear the uh, red and white? My God, that's going to take... Is there a standout player you've always worshipped? Yeah, well, Stan Bowles in his heyday when he came down here on loan um, at the end of his career was absolutely fantastic. I think Bowles and Herlock for our 19 sevens midfield take some beating as a standout, a standout moment for, as a Brentford fan. And in terms of the managers that you've had yes. um, manage this club, is there any one that you would uh, look back on fondly more than any other? Um, fondly, let me think. We've had a we've had a bit of a roller coaster. Best manager Sean going to have to give me a hand on this one. <laughs> well, it's, it's toss up between Bill Dodgin, yes, Junior, and. Uh, Steve Koppel. The irony, yeah, Steve Koppel probably nicks it for me. The irony is, the guy that gave my favourite moment was then fired at the end of the following season. Phil Holder, who was a little bit unlucky um, at that time to get fired, to be honest. And um, in terms of the start of the season you've made, yes. um, are, you, are you happy over? I mean, what are your expectations for the season? Expectations were, were automatic promotion, no question whatsoever. Very disappointing start. Don't feel that the manager knows what his best 11 is at the moment. Um, the squad is exceptionally large there's a lot of talent out there but it needs to gel brilliant chaps your two minutes is up thank you very much thank you very much indeed my club in 125 seconds we are going up we've got the football league covered here we go then hopefully this is going to be a classic and we're off 
your way fans are in good voice yeah very good spirit it's not a long trip from quick um, hop along on the um, central line Piccadilly lines not too far a journey for them we're kind of sat in amongst a, a small collection of Brentford fans here very close to Leighton Orient fans and I think we're fighting a losing battle here there's about two dozen Brentford fans and a good few hundred Leighton Orient fans if there's about to be some kind of aggro Old chance something um, very pleasingly uh, traditional about this, this game that we're at tonight. A number of things strike me. First being the, the Leighton Orient centre-half, Matteo Baudry, uh, number six, sporting a Terry Butcher-esque white headband. No, there's no Wayne Rooney-esque special <laughs> head protection here. Uh, just, a, just a good old-fashioned bandage. And he's still heading balls for fun. You've got a, a four wonderful floodlights in which I very much navigated my, myself to the ground from the station to this evening towering above the local houses here in Brentford you've also got a number especially in this stand a number of pillars and pylons that we every now and again have to peer around the left or right of to see where the ball is uh, which you know in the days of modern stadia you don't get and I actually even though they are a bit annoying from time to time I think they are a reassuring comfort DC's getting involved in the spirit of things here I thought you were a resident of East London, singing Uwe Ross's yeah, Barmiani. You should be a Leighton Orient supporter. When in Brentford. Can I just say, by the way, that Russell Slade strikes me as a man who, even in the depths of winter, will still be wearing his baseball cap. Absolutely. He's very much taken over from Tony Pulis now as, as the English football's premier baseball cap wearer. Brentford's number 19, Martin Filo, or Philo, is actually on loan from uh, Manchester City's Champions League opponents of last week, Victoria Pilsen. Wow. And um, while we're on the, uh, the, vaguely on the subject of European football, you've spotted someone on your, on your way into the ground. Yeah, the Royal Antwerp manager, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, is at Griffin Park tonight. Who's he scouting then? Who's he looking at? Kevin Lisby, surely not. Half an hour gone, it's still Brentford nil, Leighton Orient nil. Pretty even so far? I'd say Brentford just shading it. Had a few half chances. Adam Forshaw now, the impressive Adam Forshaw with a corner. Right in front of us. Deep. Oh! oh. <laughs> That's gone over the, the stands. centre-half, Harley Dean, who had the chance earlier on with the centre-half's finish there. It's gone out of the ground, a shot on the turn at about the penalty spot. It's a good chance. If you're flying from Heathrow now, probably get a good view of that. <laughs> As we were saying, though, um, to those fans outside, Brentford have conceded seven goals in their last two games. I know they were going to ten men against Brentford quite a lot, that 4-0 defeat, but Orient are absolutely flying, but not really created a clear-cut chance yet, I don't think. No, well, it's Brentford with the home team under the lights, as you'd expect, with all the pressure so far. They've had half chances, they've had more of the possession, they're looking to get Grigg and Donaldson involved in the game, trying to get them to hold it up and bring the others into the game. I think Forshaw and Diego Ruga are controlling much of the game from the middle of the park for Brentford, and Leighton Orient have had the odd chance here and there. They do look confident when they have the ball, but they simply haven't seen enough of it yet. Well, while there's a break in play, um, 
for those who are aware of the geography of Griffin Park, uh, we're in the Bill Axby stand. Not a name that meant anything to me. I don't know about you two. So I thought I'd have a quick Google to see who Bill Axby was. And he often stands are named after great players or great managers of clubs. No, not Mr. Axby. He was Brentford's most famous fan. He died in 2007 at the age of 102. He was born three months before Brentford moved to Griffin Park. The crowd have provided it. Absolutely, and he is primarily a celebrity fan. He's born. Um, the Bees moved to Griffin Park in August 1904. This is a proper history lesson. He's there for the first game. Yeah, well, I'm not entirely. So apparently, he started watching him in 1918. Clayton Donaldson trying to shamelessly buy a free kick there. Unlike all these Brentford fans, he's not getting past me. He went. He went down as if he had been fouled there, as if as if he'd been pushed in the back by the by the centre half. I think, it's what, I think it's what's known in the business as a sharing them. I tell you what, right? I was just about to say, there is nothing that football fans love more than abusing a linesman. And the chaps around us here have really got a thing about this guy. And he does look, you know, he's balding. He <laughs> doesn't look particularly confident. He's trotting up and down the line all the grace of an old schoolmaster in PE. <laughs> he's a classic textbook linesman. And he's certainly in for it tonight from the, from the Bill Axby faithful. <laughs> to get a connection on the ball though it wasn't quite enough as he was falling down it went wide of the post but certainly certainly a contentious decision if he gives that he's got to give him a red card as well he does indeed you're quite right ball's pinging around the Brentford area and it goes oh great chance clear header six yard box and I can't see a thing because my eyesight's so bad so I've no idea who missed that I'm pretty sure that was David Mooney in the form he's been in you'd expect him to put that one away it's a very good chance I think Lisby put a good ball in a uh, very good chance for Leighton Ori I think that's answered my question <laughs> that's brilliant David Mooney he used to be shy now he's alright walking in a Mooney Wonderland Hasn't been the greatest game so far, but um, we've just been informed there's additional an additional couple of minutes at the end of the first half. However, well, yeah, I agree. It's kind of dragging a little bit because the clock down to our end here says that only 42 minutes have gone so far, and uh, they've decided to give one minute of additional time. Already. So I think they've just given up on this half and they call it off as a bad job. And we'll start again in 15 minutes. There we go. Halftime score at Griffin Park is uh, Brentford nil, Leighton Orient nil. What have you made of that first half, DC? Well, I think Brentford have just shaded it there. I mean, Leighton Orient had their moments, they had a couple of half chances here and there, but Brentford certainly had more chances. And then the Orient keeper, Jamie Jones, has had to make a number of saves, comfortable saves, most of them granted, but still he's had to make them. Um, and I, I think that the Brentford players will walk off this pitch happier than the Orient ones, certainly given Orient's form so far this season. It was Elton John a couple of weeks ago. It's Paul McCartney now. And I'll tell you what, speaking about things at grounds that you, li uh, that you like, everyone's walking the complete length of the pitch. The dugout's on the opposite side of the tunnel. Brilliant. <laughs> I bet the grounds was having an absolute nightmare every week. We'll get off my pitch. Uh, I'd echo what Dave said. Uh, both keepers, Jamie Jones and Richard Lee, have gone and been tested from distance, and that's about it, really. I mean, you could argue it's becoming a half where both teams are 
thought, well, we don't want to lose the game. Especially, well, Leighton already have no reason to think so. They should, their tail should be up, given their form. I don't really think the Brentford game celebrating with Hey Jude at the moment I don't think it's been that great a half of football that's what I love about lower, lower league grounds as well they've clearly had this on pause since the start of the game and they've just pressed play again anyone down your street he also asked oh, bring, all, bring all of them bring the guys at number 42 that you never met before so you want to come along it's only a pound right second half's just underway Dave you spied something at half time off you spied well followers of the popular Twitter account uh, Full Kit Wankers uh, will be pleased to know that just to our left although I do feel slightly harsh because he's only a young child so perhaps doesn't deserve, doesn't deserve quite as much criticism as the grown men featured on that account but there is a, there is a child in full goalkeeper's kit short socks kit and everything name on the back number one child gets a goalkeeper's kit. A child gets a goalkeeper. No one wants to be a goalkeeper. I blame the parents. Yeah. They should be giving him better guidance in this. <laughs> I'll tell you another good thing about low league grounds. This is from a, a man who spent many a year in the stand like this, virtually uh, half empty. Is um, You can always move from where you're sitting based on which end your team are of attacking. So, for example, there's a couple of chaps to our right who've disappeared now because they've gone down the other end to see the goal that Brentford are attacking. Don't get that in the Premier League. Just to our left, there's a man eating a pie. The, sw- the smell is irresistible, just wafting over. It smells like, I think, steak. Oh, it looks, it looks like a steak by the heat of colour, even though it could be. steak and kidney, I think, there, yeah. Good after a bite. But interestingly enough, he's gone. To, he's taken the top of the, the crust off. Rather than yeah. biting into it whole, he's taken the top of the pie off and is now almost using it as sort of a, a bowl. It's like a low scooping car- the meat out with a fork. Like a low-carb pie. There are lots of carbs in that pub. Don't worry about that. Excellent challenge. Excellent. A young boy, cannot be more than eight years old, has just shouted at the linesman, Oi, Spaz! We're quite, quite end-to-end in the second half, actually. Certainly livened up a bit. I hope we're not going to get a nil-nil draw. Especially for you, you come all the way from East London. I think now you said that, we probably are. Penalty's been given. He's given a penalty. And the two, it was David Mooney, who's the player that's been a judge, have been brought down. And to be honest, it looks like it was 50-50. They were both tugging at each other's shirts, and Mooney's eventually gone down, and Shalom Logan's been booked. He's the one who's been a judge to have made the foul. A debatable, but I mean, you know, well, there wasn't that many complaints. Seeing it with the naked eye, obviously on the replay, it may be more clear. But I, you know, I think it was 50-50 there, really. I'd have to say, I'd have to go in favour of. I'd say that was a penalty. So it's penalty. He's taken that. I can't quite see from here. And then that is David Mooney. Number okay, it's Mooney. Dusted himself off to take it. Richard Lee in the Brentford goal has got a decent record at saving penalties he was their hero in a penalty shootout a few seasons ago I seem to remember in, in the League Cup I believe or was okay. it all in the JPT as they went to the JPT final yeah. Yeah. balls had to be respotted. Donaldson's been over there here we go then the reaction of the Orient fans near us is going to tell you whether this goes in or not David Mooney to make it 1-0 to Orient and it goes oh and there's a flare on the pitch there's a flare on the pitch they cannot stop scoring. They've taken the lead. I'm not sure they deserve it on the balance of play, but put that away well, didn't he? Right in the corner. Yeah, yeah, right in, down, to the, down to the goalkeeper's right. right yeah. Yeah. 
wouldn't mind raining on Leighton Orient's parade just for a moment, but there were about six players in the box when the penalty was struck as well. Just saying, you know. Chance. Oh! That is a great save by Richard Lee. He's hit the shot in from Moses Adebayju. What a left at number 11. He cut inside on his left foot and hit a shot. Was going for the top corner, but Lee at full stretch gets a fingertip and it goes over the bar. I must admit, I thought, that had gone, I thought that had gone straight over. Great save. chances. Well, I have noticed as well from a tactical point of view, Eros is not afraid to push Will Grigg all over the pitch really. We started off the game with him up front, Clayton Donaldson playing kind of on the left and they kind of swapped that round to put the archetypal big man up front and Grigg is going from flank to flank trying to latch on to anything but it just isn't working at the moment unfortunately. You have to rig on zonal marking or something. <laughs> Trotter's coming on. Swindon fan Carl. Double change by Uve. Really going for this now with 15 minutes left. Another thing that's, that's nice about coming to uh, to games in League One and, and below um, is the, the huge diversity of sponsors that you can see on the advertising hoardings around the ground. You know, you're fed up of seeing your Champions League matches with your electronic boards surrounded by Gazprom uh, advertisements or such like. Well, you've got, just, just to give you a flavour of the things we can see, we've got the Chiswick Moran Hotel. Uh, we've got Ron Smith Recycling Limited. Uh, we've got um, the Dara Tandorian Curry Restaurant. Material Recovery Solutions over there. Material Recovery Solutions. They are top of the league and there's 10 minutes to go and not really any sign at the moment that Brentford are going to get this equaliser. A couple of long balls just pumped aimlessly into the box in the last 10 minutes, which is a bit worrying if you're a Brentford fan. Yeah, I think the, uh, the late Orient goals not the stuffing out of Brentford, really. They were, I'd say, marginally the better side up until that point now, but late Orient looking a lot more confident. They've, they're coming forward, uh, yeah, playing a little bit more football in Brentford's half now and, and Brentford, as you say, they're looking increasingly desperate. Uwe Rosler's made all his substitutions, bringing on Marcelo Trotter uh, for one and you know it's, it is looking it's looking uh, looking desperate times running out for Brentford now nine minutes left and Leighton Orient are making a substitution themselves now Kevin Lisby's going off and the boos are ringing out now as he makes the customarily slow walk <laughs> off the pitch when you're leading 1-0 with nine minutes to go and on comes I believe uh, Sean Bat yeah, who is the you. player uh, that was signed for Leighton Orient after a conversation was initiated uh, on That's Twitter right, with yeah. Barry Hearn That's right, yeah It's 2-0 and you know who scored and it's Sean Bat the substitute who's come on an immediate impact He's right in front of us now Get your phones out lads someone take a picture Right in front of us, the Orient players, on top of the corner flag. They lead by two goals to nil, ball through the heart of the penalty area. Sean Batters driven it past the goalkeeper, Richard Lee, into the back of the net. It's going to be eight wins in a row to start the new season. There is no team in England in better form than this team. Eight wins in a row. When does this end? How many games do they win in a row? 
And the record's like 11 or something, you were telling me, isn't it? I, I'm not off the top of my head. That's just what I, I've got in the back of my mind. I think it might be 11. And on this form, who's betting against him doing it? I think they're happy with Sean back. He's been on the pitch a couple of minutes and he put that away. So the Orient fans have just been singing some um, not particularly uh, friendly chants about Boris Johnson. And I was, I was just actually thinking, what have they got against Boris Johnson? Oh, the Olympic Stadium. I see. Well, you initially thought they were chanting against the Sky Sports reporter Brian Swanson, didn't you? <laughs> I did, yeah. It was the more baffling. Some of the great misheard chants. Do you think they deserved it? I, I think they do, yeah. I mean, Brentford were probably the, slightly the better side in the first half. They came out reasonably strongly in the second half, but as soon as Leighton Orient got that penalty, Brentford had absolutely no answer to, to no reply uh, to going a goal down. Leighton Orient looked more confident. They played better football. They kept the ball better. They looked more inventive, and then they got the second goal. A good move. Finished off well by Sean Matt, the substitute, and, you know, comfortable, really, in the end for Leighton Orient. Clinical when they got those chances. Absolutely, very much so. And although it is still early in the season, it makes you wonder what they can do this year. Eight wins out of eight. Coming to a place like Brentford and putting in a performance like that, it can only bode well for them the rest of the season. So we've retreated inside to the Griffin, which is one of the four pubs on the corner of uh, on the corners of Griffin Park, and we've just actually seen the replay of the penalty incident. DC, what do you make having seen it again? Well, pretty much as what I said when I saw it first time round. Um, you know, initially uh, Logan is very much you know, got hold of David Mooney's shirt and he's pulling him, but then as they move into the box, Logan sort of moves off him, and then you can see from the camera angle looking down the pitch from the other end. Mooney, perhaps I'm, you know, unbeknownst to the referee, has a real handful of Logan shirts. They're both pulling each other down, and when he goes down, it looks like he's, you know, he's gone down a long time after he was actually being pulled. So I think he's done one over there on the referee, and I, I would not have given that as a penalty. It's a great moment there where Uwe Rosler's um, post-match interview on Sky was played in the pub, and the whole pub went shh. And was very quiet of it. <laughs> it was like it was like a ministerial speech, and all of a sudden was, that was yeah. going. Out. I mean, I, I, I must admit, I thought when watching it, it was a penalty, and, and Uwe Rosler admitted that in the uh, post-match interview he thought it was but then he admitted looking back at it and I'd agree it, it was it wasn't it was six of one half a dozen the other and we were also rightly point out though but Logan was completely the wrong position and they were the team that made the first mistake and ultimately it cost them the match okay well we might be um, outside um, and not in the studio this week but we're still going to do our little 10 point bulletin or try to while uh, Carl Supps is uh, Foster's and Dave has his coke um, we'll start with Jesse Lingard of Birmingham City online from Manchester United against a very poor looking Sheffield Wednesday side who are really struggling at the moment but he scored a hat-trick within 13 minutes four goals on his debut stunning performance absolutely brilliant yeah and he had a really good pre-season um, for Man United as well he's one of the, the better performers for their on their pre-season tour of the Far East uh, and I think you know a few eyebrows were raised perhaps when he, when he wasn't maybe given a chance in, in one of maybe you know one of the early games this season but he's a month's loan so you know he could maybe even go back to, to Old Trafford or, or as I expect he'll probably extend his time at Birmingham given how well he did in his first game. Birmingham needed someone that can score goals and then this guy's come in, you know, confident, 
and he, you know, hopefully he's going to do it more for them. But uh, as you mentioned, a poor, a poor Sheffield Wednesday side. Uh, they did look very poor indeed. And listening to um, the post-match interview after the game, uh, I think it may have been uh, one of the reporters from the uh, local uh, radio, BBC local radio up in Sheffield, asked David uh, Dave Jones what he'd had to say to the fans that were calling for his head. And Jones went mad and went into a you know, two or three minute tirade at him saying, you know, you've got no right to answer that, ask me that question. You're trying to drum something up here. You're hiding behind the fans. You know, it's not right. How can you ask me that question? He really had a go at this, in this report. You know, to be to his credit, defended himself, said, I've got to ask it. There are fans who are unhappy. And Jones refuted it and said, you know, there might be a couple of fans, but no, that's, you know, that's bang out of order. And, you know, we know what we've got to do here. We're going to dig in. We're going to get it right. But, you know, he certainly was very angry. And, you know, there's, there's got to be pressure there for, for Dave Jones. Both managers in Sheffield really under pressure uh, because while we mentioned Sheffield Wednesday, Sheffield United lost 1-0 again at home to Preston. And an interesting um, move they've made this week, Carl, is to bring in Marlon King as their new signing. And this debate always is quite an interesting one for football fans. John Ashton wrote a piece on this a few years ago when uh, King signed for another club. I can't remember who it was at the time. But yeah, if you were a, a Sheffield United fan and Marlon King came in, you badly need goals, but he's a man who's had multiple run-ins with the law. How would you feel? Yeah, well, it, uh, more and more clubs do um, have this kind of experience. Lee Hughes is not been, I'm sure Dave will have a point to, to make on this as well. Swindon have obviously you know, got Noel Ranger at the moment from my own personal point of view. If he, if he keeps himself out of trouble and he scores goals, you, fans are going to accept him as, as one of their own and they will they'll take him on side. And Marlon King, you'd like to think, would score goals. I'm sure Dave would probably agree that he may be getting on a little bit now, but he has got the goals in him to uh, help them out. Absolutely, and, and certainly at that level he will score goals because he is a very, very good uh, centre forward, You know, very good at holding the ball up, probably not as quick as he used to be, but an excellent finisher but the argument about whether or not to sign Marlon King is one that's Carl said that will rage on where as long as he keeps playing professional football and this time last year I was having a similar conversation with you about Troy Deeney who was in prison at the start of the season came out and was a star of Watford's season last year and the thing with the difference perhaps in this case is that Marlon King's a repeat offender he's been behind bars twice in his, in his career he's you know, a string of misdemeanours you know on his record you know some of them you know for real violent crimes you know, you know not something you know you want to be associated with and there is a moral question you know do you want to be cheering on this guy you know obviously people come out of prison and they have a right to, to earn a living and, and you, they do their time and then they back out in society fair enough but it's, it's a question of kids are going to be idolising this guy cheering him on from the stands yeah. and that's that's when you get into the murky territory of you know, do you really want to be worshipping this guy And but there's not much we can do about it it's, you know football clubs will sign him as long as they need goals and he will probably score goals for Sheffield United OK let's um, let's stick in League 1 with a side who got promoted from League 2 last year promoted as champions Martin Allen who we actually had on the show last year when you uh, interviewed him Gillingham well, they've started badly no wins in 8 games they lost the last 4 in fact no wins in, in 11 in the league because they didn't win in the last 3 games last season either really finding it tough at that level absolutely yeah I mean they had such a, a really really strong uh, home record last season didn't they I mean they were good home and away obviously going up as champions but you know they're very tight very solid very difficult to beat and that doesn't look you know the step up to League 1 that, that's, that's gone this season it was a very very poor goal a goal that you wouldn't expect Martin Allen side to concede it was a goal from a corner and it was a poor corner from Bradford as well bounced at the near post and got flicked in you know there was no one attacking the ball from Gillingham side you know set pieces you expect them to be good you know they were very tight very well drilled last season so it doesn't look like things are going well for them in League 1 and you know Martin Allen will, will, will be concerned well it's not just um, Gillingham though a team promoted into League 1 who are struggling though because it's um, some of the teams that have come down as well uh, well most notably Bristol City who haven't won a game I don't think yet um, 
be back in League One. Uh, they had a big sort of derby game at Swindon at the weekend, um, which uh, your your side won three two. Your side is if you're the manager. Your team won three two. Um, it's really weird though, isn't it? Because they, from what you were saying last week on the show, Dave, when, when you went to the Bristol derby, they they look good, but they just can't get it together in the league. I like to take personal credit because I had a tenner on Bristol City to win that game. That way, you kind of win either way. Uh, Swindon, I, I'm surprised actually. We've got. To, I mean, it is a derby game. We we've not played them all that much in uh, recent years because uh, we've fluctuated between the leagues and kind of missed each other on the way. But Bristol City themselves, a team which I think most of us would have backed to be doing quite well this season under the, the age-old formula of Sean O'Driscoll being oh so good. And yet he keep, his reputation is starting to get a little bit more battered. It, it's still early days, but you're right, they haven't won a game yet. Four points out of their first eight games. People like Sam Baldock up front, who I think I tipped to be top goal scorer, so that meant he was always going to have a terrible season. They should not be down there. Well, like you said, I, I was very impressed with them when I saw them in the, in the Bristol Derby. They, they had a real willingness to play football. You know, J. Emmanuel Thomas scored a belter that night. He scored again at the weekend against Swindon. Um, but, I mean, it, it seems to me that the same old problem is still there in terms of what, what, what was happening under Derek McInnes. Remember when Sean came on all that, all that time ago saying that going forward, they haven't got a problem scoring. They're quite a good team and keeping possession and, and good, comfortable on the ball and they can create chances, but they just can't keep the ball out of their, of their own net. They can see too many goals and that's still what's happening. That was the case actually against Swindon. You look at the goals there and it's it some awfully sloppy goals. Uh, well, their centre-back, Aidan Flint, who was at Swindon last season, uh, and the fans very, took very kindly to him having an absolute nightmare. Having scored the first goal for a city, had an absolute nightmare and he's not had a very good season yet at all. He's a very good player, but you're right, Dave. Defensively, they are absolutely shambolic. Nicky, bloodier Josie scoring twice as well. How many clubs has that man had? Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of shambolic goals to concede, uh, we've got to tip our hats to the Northampton defender, Matthias Dayumbe, um, away at Mansfield. And this is a thing of beauty if you haven't seen this own goal. It is absolutely superb. I mean, it's one of those own goals that you know you would, you would say a forward would be proud to score. A big, big ball lofted forward from Mansfield. And I don't know what he was trying to do. I imagine he was trying to hook it back over his head, but it's just got the technique completely wrong. And he's caught it on the volley and just a beautiful lob over his own keeper into the back of the net. An absolute shocker. A, a brilliant own goal. Uh, last week we had uh, Ted Robinson from the Millwall Supporters Club on the show, um, which you will have heard if you listened. And he was saying that if Steve Lomas had a bad week, he could be out of a job. Or if he had a good week, then all would be rosy. He's had a very good week. Beating uh, Blackpool, who were top of the league, 3-1. And then a big derby victory, 1-0 at Charlton in a scrappy game on Saturday. But yeah, it all looks uh, a lot better now if you're a Millwall fan. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it was a good uh, a good performance from them against Blackpool. Yeah, a great third goal in particular, Steve Morrison coming back from injury, coming off the bench to score that third goal and sealed a free point. You know, you could feel the relief you know, watching those highlights and hearing the crowd. You can feel the relief down at the den when, when they got that victory. And then you know, they were probably just about the, the, the West team. You know, uh, you know, as you say, a very scrappy, very poor game on Saturday lunchtime against Charlton. You know, a, a deflected goal from Scott McDonald, but they managed to hold on. You know, but they were trying to play a bit of football to, to, to Steve Lamas's credit. Better football, perhaps, than they were playing under Kenny Jacket uh, towards the back end of last season. You know, they were two, two massive results. The pressure's eased off him slightly now, but he's, you know, 
got to keep the momentum going and move them further up that table. Down the bottom, one manager who's under huge pressure now, um, and that's Dougie Freeman. We'll, we'll come on to QPR, the opposite end in a minute. Uh, but yeah, Bolton have still not won a game, and uh, they are rock bottom now. And this is a worse start this season than they had last season. So I think you can rule out any sort of hopes of automatic promotion already. Yeah, again, we'd have all tipped them probably at the start of the season with that squad they've got as well. And I know one of you guys have mentioned it on a previous pod this season, how Dougie Freeman's now looking on probably in envy uh, Crystal Palace being there in the Premier League I just I, I, I don't understand what could have possibly gone wrong at Bolton I mean look at the momentum they had last season just missing out on the playoffs obviously but having excellent momentum which you know, they wouldn't have had the heartbreak for example as Brentford had as we've been here tonight talking about how they've missed out in the playoffs through through the final but they've got there and they've got right we can build this season lads and all of a sudden they've come out looking as if they don't know what they're doing as if last season the second half of last season never happens and they've just kind of kicked off as they were about 10 games in last year. Friedman himself is, 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 is kind of said what's what's going wrong and that seems to be motivation of some of the players. I mean he drops that night after he made a number of a number of errors and he, he's questioned the motivation and the mentality of some of his players. Players that he's signed no less. He's saying that he now needs to bring in a couple of players on loan. Well, he signed 10 players in the summer plus a few that he signed in January last season. So this is his team. Yeah. You know you know, he's had time now to bring in his own players. He's had you know coming up for a, coming up for a year in a job you know, not not too soon uh, and he hasn't really got much of an excuse Dougie Friedman and it's you know the, the word, whenever you see the headline Friedman refuses to walk away you know the writing's on the wall you know he's, he's going to need to pull out some results pretty quickly because there are expectations of that football club for them to be up towards the other end of the division and they are languishing at the moment well right at the other end of the division top of the shot eight games unbeaten including five 1-0 victories and an exceptional defensive record you've got to say even if they're not setting the uh, you know setting the division alight perhaps as they did a couple of years ago when they won the league our QPR 1-0 victory at Yeovil on Saturday Charlie Austin with a penalty Yeovil did look unlucky in the highlights from this but I mean you've just got to look at that defensive record to see how you know strongly QPR have started well uh, Harry Redknapp team's not necessarily known for their you know 1-0 solid defensive performances well, are they I mean, to be precise it's 8 goals in 8 games they find themselves top of the league I mean that's absolutely incredible yeah but I mean they have got a good defence you know you've got to look at Rob Green he's probably one of the best keepers in the division Richard Dunn has probably been very has been very solid for them since he's been since he's been brought in. You go, you still got Ned and Mewers there. Bemarasa, Costa as well, even Clint Hill is going to do it. There's bags of Premier League experience, you know, within that. And then their team and their squad, you know, with the comings and goings in the summer, still might not be one of the biggest, but it's certainly one of the most quality packed squads in the division. Redknapp still moaning as he does, you know, as ever in terms of saying he needs to get more people in, needs more strikers. He's only really got Charlie Austin fit and firing at the moment. They did, they did look a bit fortunate, I think, for me on the Saturday against you over. It was one of their, not not their best performance of the season so far but they won 1-0 and that is the hallmark of a team that will be up there come the end of the season OK, a couple of quick more points uh, before we leave it there two exceptional goals for Forrest away at Doncaster at the weekend uh, Chris Cohen and Andy Reid with a trademark beauty and they've um, taken Chalabar haven't they from uh, Chelsea on loan uh, Forrest which is a good signing for them a very good signing indeed you know making you know what was already a strong midfield stronger and compensating for the loss of Adelaine Gediora who's gone to Crystal Palace um, he was excellent for Watford last season there were moments even there where you saw his inexperience shining through but he will have learned so much from playing a 40 odd games as he did for Watford last season you know and now which is the disappointing thing really we spent a year developing a player who has now come back to play for one of our main rivals for promotion but then on the on the flip side of that we, we didn't Watford didn't get Chalabar back and the reason is because we Chelsea wanted Forrest or whoever it was to pay his full £30,000 a week wages and that, that's how much money 
plays on for a, for a 19 year old which is crazy but uh, Watford uh, have got Josh McCreckran uh, on loan uh, 38 games I think it was or there or thereabouts in Middlesbrough last season but he's a player that you know, when Carlo Ancelotti was Chelsea manager he was getting first team appearances quite a lot and he was the next, the next big thing in English football but he's since been forgotten about really so it's an important season for McEachran and I don't think he's guaranteed a starting place in our team we've got a very strong midfield a lot of midfield and we only have we have three midfielders you know and there's only three spots each week and I don't know if he'll get in the team every week he's probably going to play against Norwich in the League Cup this week so if he, if he makes a good impact first time round then hopefully he'll, he'll be able to get into the team but it's a big season for McEachran the last point has got to be Curtis Main's open goal miss for Shrewsbury against Wolves you will not see a worse miss than that in the Football League this season uh, good luck to some of the Football League teams playing in the Capital One Cup midweek we've got a good game actually between Burnley and Forest two of the uh, Championship's informed teams uh, we can go to Manchester City Bristol City at Saints uh, Peterborough you'd really fancy away at Sunderland and uh, your boy Swindon taking on Chelsea not holding out much hope but who knows uh, supposedly Chelsea are in crisis you know, they are what third in the Premier League and that means they're in crisis as long as we don't get absolutely turned over 6-0 if we, if we score that'll be great um, I generally don't know we are in a decent enough run of form we're scoring goals we put in a decent enough performance in front of the TV cameras I'd be happy OK that's pretty much it unless you've got one more thing to say one more thing to say I think we should mention we should j- jump down into League 2 the top of League 2 Chesterfield winning 1-0 against uh, who were going into the match the second place team Oxford United uh, the goal scored by the, the evergreen Richie Humphreys obviously signing for them from Hartlepool um, this summer uh, and he scored the goal um, the, the day after he, he uh, his wife gave birth to a baby girl um, he came down for the game obviously probably would have had a sleepless night the night before you know that whole the whole emotions that would have come with, with seeing your child being born and he, and, he, and he scores the winning goal against Oxford United now Chesterfield sitting pretty uh, top of league too so great day for Humphreys uh, great day for Chesterfield brilliant well thank you very much for listening to this uh, different we are going up this week live from Griffin Park and we should finish by paying tribute to Leighton Orient eight wins out of eight games um, it doesn't get much better than that an absolutely stunning start to the season and surely from here they've got to be looking to, to get promoted of course absolutely if you start the season in the way they've done you know they've, they've beaten anything that's come before them they've now beaten one of the you know the best teams in the division last season comfortably away from home in Brentford you know, there shouldn't be any team in this league that Leighton Orient line up against that they think we can't beat you know obviously they're not going to win every game in the whole season but they've put a marker down in the sand now their confidence will be sky high and Russell Slade will be saying to his players that you've proven to, to everyone you've proven to the nation you're still the only team in the country with 100% uh, winning record there's no reason why we cannot go up and go up you know automatically this season OK right well if you uh, would like to uh, read all the various blogs there online at wearegoingup.co.uk uh, you can subscribe on iTunes as ever or go to soundcloud.com slash wagyu podcast and you can see a couple of pictures that we took tonight including did you get that shot of the corner flag, flag on Twitter? Oh, what? The shot of the corner flag of all the players there. Oh yeah I did and it's and it's beautifully beautifully illustrates what we were saying as well about the pillars as well. Straight down <laughs> oh, the all right, the all right, David Bailey. <laughs> so you can see that twitter.com slash wagyu podcast and we'll be back from the more familiar surroundings of the studio this time next week. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. <laughs>
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.